Heard you looking for the candy man, bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? You are one pathetic loser. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the podcast where we discuss the best and worst movies from the 90s. This is Real 90. If you're going to spew, spew into this. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. What's your favorite scary movie? You can't handle the truth! Before we get to this week's pick, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Nick Prince. I'm Ricky Glore. And I'm Eric Hunter. Okay, Eric, it was your pick for episode 16. Let us know what it was. Yes. So, hopefully, everybody watched the interesting pick of Candyman. Wait, was that oh, was that air was quotes Candy around land? Yeah, was that air quotes around Candyman? Interesting. What yeah, kind I, of pre-qualifier is that? I, I I thought it was interesting. Uh released in 1992, directed by Ber, um uh Bernard Rose, written by Clive Barker, which was the story um a short story that he did, I believe called The Frontier or the Nuts. I had that somewhere. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I know, I know he wrote the, I know he wrote the story, but Bernard Rose wrote the, um, the screenplay. Yes, he wrote and directed the screenplay, um, and also Clive Barker was a producer as well, um, starring as Candyman Tony Todd, uh, Virginia Madsen, Xavier Burkinell, Burkelly, 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 Calm down, calm down. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so the Candyman as a mysterious soul with a hook for a hand is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Candyman. Candyman. So I guess I'll get us started with um, kind of... So this is... uh, And I had uh, spoke uh, about this uh, at little length on the last podcast, but I'll iterate once again. Uh, Candyman is one of those horror movies that I remember seeing on the shelf. Uh, I was aware of what Candyman was. I was aware of the myth of saying Candyman in the mirror in the dark five times would bring forth this, you know, this murderer, psychopath, serial killer. Um, and for some reason, like I just, I just never got around to watching it. I don't know if it was because I just thought it was so the, the idea was so scary as a kid or, Oh yeah. I mean, cause I was really, I mean, and still am today just that I'm a big horror movie fan. Um, and especially at that point in my life, um, I was trying to get a hold of any movie I could for multiple reasons. One, I thought the movies were really fun to watch. I like the idea of being scared in a movie. I thought that was a neat reaction I have, uh, in a movie rather than laughing or, you know, feeling sad or depressed or whatever. Um, 99 times out of a hundred horror movies always have a nice set of boobs. Uh, so that was, <laughs> that was a big thing for me when I was like 12, 13, 14 years old. This was no different. Um, yeah, like the, there's some really there's a really nice uh, set of boobs in this movie. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like it was it was fun to kind of like okay, I'm actually gonna watch the movie that I know I've never seen, but I've always wanted to. So and it's interesting attacking a horror movie like this that is kind of so uh, so well known in the horror genre, mainly because of Clive Barker's association with it that you get to see it now kind of at an age where nothing really scares you as much as it did. Um, And I remember the thing of when I was younger, it was Bloody Mary. 
and I don't know if it was three times or five times. I don't know. I think if it was necess- three for Bloody Mary. Yeah, and right. I don't know necessarily that I ever heard of an actual Candyman myth of the five times or three times until after this movie came out. Yeah, I yeah I agree because I because growing up I didn't really remember Candyman as much as I did Bloody Mary. Yeah, and that's what scared me. But but then I found out about Candyman and I. You know, yeah, and I think from the movie as... it spawned, they just borrowed the same idea of Bloody Mary. And this movie came out in 92. I was seven years old. And, of course, this was another movie in the Glore household that the kids were shown at too, way too young of an age. Um, <laughs> I had already seen, I think, all of the Phantasm movies at that point, which were one and two. And I had seen at least a couple of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I had probably seen all of the Hammer horror Dracula movies, so, of course, as a seven-year-old, uh, this movie scared the crap out of me. And I've probably watched it at least 50 times in my life since then. Wow. This is a classic for me. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that, when I watch it, there's always been like a year or so between it. And it's usually with someone who's never seen it. And I think it's, at least for me, it's really cool because I've never been with someone who's been disappointed by it. Yeah, I thought what really helped the movie was I thought they did a really good job on casting. I thought um, Virginia Madsen playing Helen. I thought because a lot of times in horror films you 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 get the lead role for the for the girl and she's just a big wimp and mm-hmm. she just screams the whole time. And I thought she was a pretty strong and intelligent character. So it was kind of cool to see her world kind of. She was very grounded and seemed like she knew what she wanted like she didn't fear anything like she went into those projects she didn't care um she was gonna hunt down this quote-unquote candy man urban legend and expose it and uh just to see her world get turned upside down was it was fun to go along with her in that adventure to see it from her her point of view but i, think I really so. like i i like that that it was the he did that and made it mysterious to where when you when she blacked out you blacked out when she came to you came to and you were confused with her like when she came when she woke up on that bathroom floor for the first when she was first possessed or whatever and you're just with her and you're uh confused as to why she's there and that's the first scare that is otherworldly scare that i can say like it's uh it's the candy man first making his presence um, it's of course the scene follows right after the garage scene of him his first real appearance and what I was going to say before was it's cool that in this movie there are two kind of scares there is the real the reality scare of the south side of Chicago which where I live in Chicago right now do not live in the south side but like the gang violence and there's there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of scare once she realized that um that one girl was actually killed when she finds the newspapers clippings that it wasn't just uh, an urban legend someone actually did die brutally so the first part of the movie right. up until well sh- when she gets knocked out and then has to pick the guy out of the lineup like all the scares are from reality but right then of course right. right after the garage scene the scares are it's like they up the ante and that's when the kind of um not Freddy Krueger, but that's the only like horror movie that I can kind of liken it to, because his character is there, and she knows he's the evil that's doing it, and there's these other people that know he's the evil that's doing it, but no one else can see it, and it makes her look like she's crazy. Yeah, and I think I mean there. Are, I'll get to the when we get to our quotes and all that, but I almost 
you brought up the whole Freddy Krueger, like, like to me, Candyman is kind of in the same realm as Freddy Krueger. Like, it's almost as if she's asleep when these things are. Which, well, I mean, she kind of is. She's unconscious. She can't remember. So she's like asleep when all this is happening. So he kind of lives in that different realm. Same with Freddy. And we still don't know if we we assume that she's not crazy. That um, this isn't a Patrick Bateman like American Psycho thing. That Candyman is actually performing these acts. But I think right. what's cool is we don't know is he making her do it. Like, is he doing it in front of her and she thinks she's seeing him doing it, but he's actually making her doing it with the apparatus, like the knife or the meat cleaver that she has. Right. Up until, like, I thought it was her doing everything until you see the and the psychiatric ward where she's with, um, I forget the doctor's name, but she's having like a one-on-one in his office and she's strapped yeah, to the chair. Doc- Dr. Burke. Yeah, Dr. Burke, and then she summons Candyman, and then that was a that was one of my favorite scenes. When it was just, great, because it caught me by surprise, and like I said, I yeah. have seen this movie at least 25 to 50 times, somewhere in between there. I know that's a large margin, but um, I knew she got out of there, but when she said Candyman five times into that mirror, I was like, right. bitch, last time you said Candyman into a mirror, it took him like two days for his black ass to destroy him. <laughs> <Right. laughs> But then, yeah, and then he pops up He was up tied into her by then. Yeah, well, and that's what was co- so cool is when he gets pulled out the window in that scene when uh, Candyman gets yanked out the window backwards. I was like, right, that's, yeah, so, yeah. Like, that's so fucking cool. It's like he's just exiting her psyche. Right. Yeah. So then I loved, like, did she, like how you were saying before, is she committing all these murders or is Candyman? So did she, like, break free? Early on, kill the doctor and then break out the window and get out? Well, did the doctor unloosen her straps when she said, are these really necessary? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's never, I don't think that's part of the movie that you're supposed to think about. But, like, for me, I always wondered is, um, I think it's cool that if Candyman exists, but he's still making her do it. And then she takes over Candyman by the end, even though there are, I believe, two direct-to-video sequels after this. Yeah, yeah, I meant to yeah. try to watch this, but I, I didn't get a chance. I've, didn't I've, either of you seen? I've it? never seen them. Loved this movie. Loved it since '92. <laughs> Family, everyone has enjoyed it. My brother enjoys it. None of us have seen the sequels. It would be nice if, if on the in one of the sequels, it's kind of an origin story because they did touch on a little bit of where he's from and why he is the way he is. But it would have been. I always like the origin story of going back and seeing why the villain or why he, how he came to be. Yeah, and and that's just quick. Um What's the word? Starts with a D. D. Like when they they just briefly go over that. Yeah, they just uh, skim over it. Yeah. So it's like they don't even. It's like okay, here's it for those who are needing the backstory and can't just live in a world where this shit is just going on. Here it is. Yes, Deposition. Please. That's what I was trying to think of. Because Deposition. they're they're saying that all urban uh, legends have to have a real root somewhere. That it, like you said, just can't live with the fact that it is just a made-up story. Um, but usually horror movies, they wait until they get to about the fifth or sixth movie where they have to do a backstory movie because they've run out of kill like cool idea well, kills. Right, but yeah, right, right. But I mean, I love Tony Todd as an actor. It's a shame that when they he was still younger that they couldn't have done basically a prequel because I th- I think he would have pulled it off really well and shown us his like first kills after he came back because i think they said it was 1890 
when he was killed. Yeah, yeah, he was a slave or something. The yeah. son yeah. of a slave who invented the mechanism to make um, shoes faster. So yeah, like, he, right. he was a rich slave. Which was weird. Like, why, why put that in there? Well, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if a slave actually did develop that. Oh, man, I have no idea. I didn't even look into that. Because I do know the director, um, when he wrote the screenplay, incorporated the idea of the medicine cabinets being adjacent like that. Because doing his research with the buildings in Chicago, he found an architectural flaw that existed like that. And that murders... Oh, the medicine cabinets? Yeah, and that there were murders that actually happened that way, of people getting into other people's apartments to do that. So I was like, that's really creepy. Yeah. That is one of the nice things about Clive Barker. If you've ever read any of his other books and stuff, like he's he's got a very interesting way of he's like up. putting you in such a fantasy realm, but he touches reality and like just in little bits here and there that makes it the fantasy seem so much real and it's something it's something silly like uh I'm trying to remember one book of his that I read um it's actually a, it's a big long series. I got it somewhere. It's on my shelf somewhere, but it's a it's a very interesting book. I mean, not to get offside too much, but um the idea is that these two guys developed this elixir to basically transcend what we know as reality. Um and they're battling each other to be like the god of this, you know, uh this thing that they've created. And like every once in a while like Clive will put he'll write something he'll just he'll he'll make something very specific about what a character's doing like he won't say oh they went and got the bread from the closet like oh they got the wonder bread uh the character remembers seeing the you know the red and yellow and blue balloons on the packaging when he was a child like he does little shit like that you know what I mean so he's like very specific in his writing yeah like and it's weird when he does it too because it like you stop and when you're reading it and you're like well, wasn't like a tentacle monster just like having sex with this fat chick? Like now we're talking about Wonder Bread. Like that doesn't. Why is he doing this? But like he does it. It's very deliberate, you know. And it's beautifully written. But like every time, it's like you read something like that and you stop, and you're like, "What the fuck are you?" You know. And it just brings it just th- that much more realistic, you know. <clears throat> the writer slash director um, Bernard. He the movie feels like. Um, Hellraiser to me, cinematically the 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 music score, the uh, the choral, the singers, um, just like I said, the the direction all around feels like a Clive Barker, but really in the the gore, but really the only like line that really stuck out to me, I, I would assume it has to be from the short story, or Bernard the director knew this would be a Clive Barker kind of phrase was the pain is exquisite yeah um because that's very heavily played in a lot of clive barker writings and like i said hellraiser is to love pain to be sadistic with it yeah no i mean it's you know i don't know it's weird man it's like it's it's taking it just with that one step beyond into madness where it's like Everybody knows about it, but nobody dares travel, and it's... I don't know, he he does it in such a beautiful way, it's weird. Well, there's a very uh, Phantom of the Opera quality um, bet- yeah. between... Which, I mean, I know they touch on a little bit, because then 
at the end mural, you're to wonder, was Helen picked out and selected because she represented the virgin that Candyman deflowered and was painting, and that's why he was killed. Yeah, I mean, because that's how I looked at it. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, that this had been going on for centuries among centuries. You know, it's she never remembers because it's just she's being reborn. You know, every few hundred years, and they do the exact same thing over and over again. I think it would have been nice to see that a little bit more. I mean, it didn't deter from the film because it was just peppered in there only a little bit. But I would have liked. I mean, like I said, maybe a sequel to have dealt with that, but it doesn't look like they did. I don't know. Just don't know. Did anybody else get uh, annoyed at the opening? Uh, it seemed like uh, Bernard Rose used an aerial shot, <laughs> like every single time a location changed, he had to do like an aerial shot. Mm-hmm. Wow, that I, didn't annoy you? No. Uh, oh. I mean, it was a style. I mean, he stuck with it because every time right. they went back to the university, they showed the aerial shot so you would know where it was. Um. It was a style, and yeah, I mean, it didn't really take me out. It didn't take me out. It just kind of bugged me every... I mean, he just used that <laughs> shot constantly. <laughs> the one thing I did like that he did with, with the cinematography is the like that dreamy look. Yeah. Like, whenever um, the, Candyman started speaking to Helen... Yeah, the light around her it, eyes, like, the soft light around yeah, her eyes. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it just had that really, like, soft look to everything, and it was just her whole face and the frame. And I thought that was that was cool every time because then you knew well the reason why they were was about to happen. I mean, I'm guessing this, I and mean, I'm sure it's the reason is they were emphasizing her eyes. It was almost like that they framed her eyes to make them even brighter. Is because yeah. they yes they, yeah because there was that one yeah there was like a strip yes. on her eyes and, and that seemed to be like a, a, a like a motif a common theme through because she because she locks into his eyes on the on the painting on the right. wall the and then they right. lock on her eyes at the end. So to emphasize that, that it is her on the mural. Right, right. Or she strikes such a resemblance to the girl from why he was killed. How'd you guys feel about the, uh, like the pacing with the film? Um, Do you think it was... I'm fine with the pacing. I mean, I like I said before, I think for myself, I definitely remember the film in two chunks. I remember everything before the Candyman appears being a—it feels like a movie—and then mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. because of the realism, and then everything once he appears, it's kind of a nonstop crazy fuck fest of just like gore and blood and visual yeah. um, fuckery because like they keep on mm-hmm. using the subliminal images, like the cut-ins of frames throughout the rest of the movie. Um, so I I think pace-wise maybe. It'd be a little nicer if those were a little bit more seamless, but that's the only thing pace-wise I could yeah. call out. My biggest thing was I'm a huge fan of Philip Glass, and he did the score for this film. Yeah, but and apparently, like in the readings, like he was he was he said he was manipulated. He thought that this was going to be like a low budget, independent film, and it turned out to be like a Hollywood slasher film. So he was kind of upset, and apparently, he didn't like release the rights to his music until 2001. Hmm. But but anyway, I like his music. I mean, he's a minimalistic writer, right. so it's just very repetitive style music, and I like it. But I thought that I, it would have been nice to have like maybe the main theme for Candyman, but then use some other music, maybe some more upbeat music. That's why I felt that it it drug in a lot of places, um, maybe scenes that weren't like 
time-wise, they weren't long, but they just felt very long from the music just being very repetitive and nothing changing. And Well, it's funny oh, you I, said that, though, because in the first half, it's all that uh, choral. It's all those singers going, ah, right. ah, ah, yeah. ah, And until Candyman appears, it's that piano theme. Which I'm assuming yes. is the piano man. Is the uh, piano man? It's fucking Billy Joel. Um, <laughs> it's the, <laughs> Billy, it's the piano I'm man. This movie. How did I get it's here? The piano man versus the Candyman. You like Freddy versus Jason. You like Wolfman versus Frankenstein. Piano man versus Candyman. Um, bam. bam! There, just market it. Just wrote himself a movie. Um, uh, but no, but no. I mean, I definitely when that second half comes, it's the as you mentioned, the Candyman theme. It's that piano uh, melody, and then at the final credits, they weave the two together. Right at the burning. Um, yeah. So I, I saying that I, they're yeah. I get the, the some. I agree. I wish married. Like I wish the theme would have been more prevalent throughout. But again, I think it had to be a distinctive choice for the director to have the choral at the beginning and that first half the realistic. And then yeah, no, the I was piano. I was fine with that. I liked that idea. I just felt that it needed some more upbeat, um, some rap. It could still be the minimalistic, but just some 19- no, not some a rap. No, you needed some music <laughs> from the super. You needed some uh, some nineteen ninety two. What top right, top no. forty? I needed vanilla Jock jams. Ice to, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I, I just thought, I just felt good. if it was more a quicker pace music that it would have helped the pacing of the film. But apparently, I'm alone in that. Yes, you are alone. You're so alone right now. <laughs> oh, God. Just put in um, Piano Man. Just redub the soundtrack with Piano Man. Did you guys... Um, I mean, when you were watching the movie, because, again, I mean, we're all so uh, in-depth, I'm guessing, when it comes to, like, our exposure of horror movies and, you know, slasher films and just, you know, like that one evil being that's in the movie that's taking care of everything... Um, how do you feel like Candyman, um, compares? Like, do you, do you feel like, obviously he's not going to be Mike Myers. He's not going to be, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. He's, he's not going to be Jason, but do you feel like, I already like him better than Michael Myers or Jason. I mean, do you, do you feel like he, if, if he would have been let's say the sequel would have gotten a proper release in the box office with a decent writer and a decent director. Like, do you think they would think about remaking these movies because they were so big? Yeah. The uh, only thing that I read, I just did a quick IMDb skim was that there are talks for a remake. And my guess is a remake would go more with the, the history and the lore and less of the main protagonist of being Helen. And I think we would see more of a, a Freddy-like character. For this, um, I don't really get a sense of the Candyman being evil, or being bad, or being good. I think he just represents the fear that people need to have of the unknown. Okay. Like, I almost feel like he, he, he exists. This is a thing that has existed for millions since the beginning of time, and it's been called something else or it's transformed and now he is part of it and then at the end it is helen and it is about infidelity um and being scared of that your ex that your dead wife that you cheated on will come back and kill you i, I think it represents 
the fear that kids need to have because he even mentions he's like no one's no one's scared of me anymore i need you i need you to die because i need my congregation back of fear right um now how does he stack up against all of the the big names that you mentioned and even kind of like against the universal horror of like dracula frankenstein wolfman all those um i think he's more on like the phantom of the opera scale for me i think he'll be always something that's recognizable and i think he's scary in his own right but i don't know if he has the longevity for mindless sequels that the other ones do well, I think the thing that hurts hurts him is the fact that he's based around this urban legend. Like, I think if it was just a thing that happened, and now this is now he's doing his thing. Like, I think yeah. it would maybe and maybe it's just because of the yeah, you know all the movies that we've seen, and you know, like you were saying before, Ricky, like we're not scared like we used to be by certain things. Like that was kind of the one thing that was holding me back in this while watching this movie was like. He's based on an urban legend. Like, I haven't heard, like, an urban legend since I was, like, nine. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel Mm -hmm. like him being tied to this is what's crippling the series. And just him as a horror character is this stupid, childish urban legend. Well, and they touch on... Again, I think it's all just supposed to be when they when they show different things or they tell the different urban legends at the beginning. Like the one girl's like, "It's true because it was my uh, boyfriend's best friend's roommate," or right. something like that. They try to do stuff that's so relatable. The one thing that doesn't connect, and they don't do anything with it later. But you, everyone, I would think gets it. I assume you guys did. Was when Helen found the candy in that one abandoned room, and it had a razor blade in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the urban legend like everyone knows is like inspect your shit when you're done trick or treating. Right. So there's not or like you don't take fruit, you don't take apples cuz there'll be a razor blade in it. And like they did that yeah, and like I think we all rec- take fruit anyway. <laughs> we all recognized <laughs> that that urban legend of the razor blade but they didn't really do anything more with that. Right. I I, th- I think yeah, I agree with you. If they're going to do the urban legend thing and incorporate ideas and uh, different scenarios like that, do it more. Like, let's see, like, the Candyman actually being kind of like an evil Santa. So, like, kids going trick-or-treating who are little shits, they go back <laughs> in their Halloween bag, and the Candyman, instead of giving them coal like Santa would on Christmas to bad kids, he's giving them fucking razor blades in their candies. Like, right. they need to be sacrificed. Like, you know, stuff like that. But again, that's not what they were going for. That would be a different movie. I think yeah. if you were to to want Candyman to be kind of like the uh, the sequel king that all those other horror icons have become, you have to do something like that. Right. No, that's a good point. I mean, it's... I don't know. Like, I, I just kept thinking that, like, at the end of the day, it's like... Uh, I think the, the script, uh, Clyde Barker's writing... Uh, Tony Todd's great portrayal of a horror character because he's got like that. He's just he just has that perfect demeanor that just you a don't presence. have to put a mask on. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I I love that. You know, like that's so finding that right guy. You know, for that character. And I think it's like they they probably should they should have called it something else, or they you know they should have incorporated something else. Like you know. 
the fact well, that what, it was. I think Clive Barker, what he did was kind of like um, Pinhead and the Cenobites with that myth that he created was a little easier to make sequels because there's so much fucked up in- imagery and history in the first Hellraiser. But I'm right, uh, and all I the would, different characters. I mean, it. I think the worst thing that happened to them when they made this movie wasn't connecting the urban legend to him, was that he is so iconic looking. Otherwise, this is a stand should be a standalone psychological thriller, right? But because Tony Todd does command such a presence, the Candyman lore, the myth, the urban legend, the uh, the Bloody Mary thing because those resonate with people so much and because his image and that hook and that coat and him being so scary is so memorable they were like oh we should make sequels off this but unfortunately the first movie didn't really lend anything for that and i'm like i said i I would venture to say this the sequels are probably more slash and gore than this one this one's probably the only one with a real story but that's because yeah. it focuses on Helen, her story, and all of that, and her and her Bernadette looking into urban legends at the college. Like that's the story. But then Candyman comes into it, right? Uh, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> Shut the Bless fuck you. up, Nick. Jesus, <laughs> sneeze away from the microphone. So sorry, God, I did. Pussy. So yeah, Candyman. There you go. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it I too. Liked it. it makes What'd me want to watch the other ones. Like I think I'll, I think I'll like the sequels, even though they were direct to DVD or whatever VHS. Yeah, um, I, th- I think I will like them because this character and this movie kind of holds a weird, like little place in my heart. You know, even though I've never seen this movie, it's like I've just been driven by the iconic um, style and the character. It's like. You know, like I'm, I would always enjoy. I'm always going to enjoy these movies because it's just like, I don't know, like it just, it's just that that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's something. It's a series I haven't tapped onto. Right. So you like Candyman? You just don't like that he's linked to the earth? No, I think they could have did something better with it. Like I think, like Ricky was saying, like if it was just a thing, like but it works for, but it works for this movie though. Yeah. Well, but I I think for, uh, I think if you wanted to make him. A series. If you wanted to give him sequels, you you have to make it something a little bit more accessible, right? No, you're right. I just at this point now, it's like where do we go from here? You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Because you have to dumb him down. Like you yeah. have to do. Well, all you have stuff. to make him more th- human, which is the yeah. problem. When you have to make him more sinister, because in this, at no point did I feel like he was killing these people for revenge, right? It was. Yeah, and I think that's what hurt him too. Is your one like what's his what's his motive for doing all right. this? And it's just to keep like if it's, it's like if it's similar alive. to like the Freddy. Yeah. Well, yeah, if it's similar to like the Freddy Krueger story, is he going after like the people that were related to the like the family or the mob that right that chopped his hands off and put the bees on him kind of a thing? So it's just kind of like is if he's just doing this for fun. Well, Nick, I didn't I want to that, tell you this, but you actually just graduated Hollywood Horror Sequels One Hundred and One. Because yes. that is easily a script that if these movies would have kept on going on, would have happened. Right. You would see the same actors playing their 20-something selves who were originally right. part of the lynch mob. And it would have. And that's honestly what they should have done probably 
with the second movie is kind of ig- ignore a lot of what happened in the first movie and revamp the uh, his motive for coming back. And yeah. it would have been Freddy. I mean, that's just another variation of Freddy, which a lot of people tried doing. There's a horror movie called Bad Dreams where it was a cult leader. This came out right after Dream Warriors, the success of that. And this cult leader who was burned up in a fire, burned like Freddy, comes back to this mental ward to kill all the people who um, used to be part of the cult but didn't die with him. So, I mean, I think that's... You know, there was a lot of copycats after Halloween came out of the slasher, masked person, or unseen person in the shadows in your house kind of babysitter horror movies. Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, definitely influenced Candyman, at least a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to go to our uh, favorite lines. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yep. Who wants to go first? Spin it, Prince. All Spin right. it. Um, mine, surprise, surprise, came from Candyman. <laughs> um, and this is when, uh, this is right after uh, Helen, uh, is she's in the cop car riding to the to the cop station, um, the police station, after uh, Bernadette, is that her friend's mm-hmm. name? Yeah, Bernadette is killed. And um, she starts having the flashes of the eyes, and Candyman has kind of a monologue. Um, just describing who he is, saying that I am rumor, it is a blessed condition, believe me. And then he goes on to say, to live in other people's dreams, but not to have to be. I just thought that was uh, pretty spooky. Pretty spooky. It's not bad. And just hearing it in Tony Todd's voice. Oh, I know, and they put that like reverb scarier. effect on it. Yeah. So like, cool. Yeah, his voice in there the whole time is, is scary as shit. Hunter. Uh, mine actually does not come from Candyman. Ooh. And, uh... Is it Bernadette? No, it's actually the only line that I laughed at. Like, just a, a short, ha, <laughs> kind of laugh. Uh, it's, r- <clears throat> it's right after she uh, gets the shit beat at her uh, by those gangbangers in the bathroom. Um, and... <laughs> they're in the lineup right and it's like you see one guy and he says the line so you see the second guy then you see the third guy who actually was the guy who she's trying to get her uh the the finger for beating the shit out of her but it's the second guy uh who delivers the line is what i thought was funny so the line is um i heard you were looking for the candy man bitch <laughs> But the way that this guy like delivers this line, like like I rewound it twice because I was like, I don't know what he's trying to do. Like if he's like just like I've done this a thousand times, I just want to be done with it, kind of a thing. But like it comes off like, heard you looking for the Candyman, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I just thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> heard you looking heard for you the looking Candyman, for bitch. Candyman, bitch. Yeah. That should be your my that should be I'm your ringtone, Hunter. <laughs> which which is the line that the guy says before previously, but like you know, it's a lot more sinister and like a lot more cleverish. But this guy just blurts it out like it's just fucking <laughs> like words on a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> what you looking for, Candy Man, bitch? What you looking for, the Candy Man, bitch? Like <laughs> I don't know. I, it's just the delivery. It just made me. It made me laugh. So. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. My favorite line is his catchphrase, is the Gandyman's catchphrase, which is, be my victim. Um, 
just so sinister and like I said Tony Todd's delivery so creepy and like I said it's not even a an evil like he doesn't even say it evil it's like it's almost like it's a bad pickup line from a guy like yeah. a guy who's it's almost <laughs> like it's a guy who's pretending to be a vampire in the real world like you bump up into in a nightclub and he's like be my victim and it's like, <laughs> like you're retarded but be my like Tony Todd be my victim but Tony Todd says it, and it's just so seductive and sinister at the same time. Yeah. Very good. Sexy. sexy oh, and sexy. to mention, um, we haven't mentioned yet, Ted Raimi's cameo at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Sam Raimi's brother. He's Billy, or Michael, uh, who comes over in the story that the girl's telling to the babysitter. He's the guy in the leather jacket. The very beginning of the movie, where oh, uh, I thought that guy looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, yep. they're telling the story, and yeah. yep, that is she Ted gets all. I'll be damned. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, he's goofy looking. Yeah, he is goofy looking. Because that's sorry, what I Ted. That... Sorry, Ted Raimi. Well, that was the thing though, because they're like, oh yeah, so and so the she was she just likes the bad boys riding up on his yeah. Harley, and then he steps in and the lights on. He was like, look at this goofy motherfucker, like. <laughs> <laughs> I came on my tricycle. There's nothing, there's nothing badass about this guy. He's just goofy. I looking. rode my bike here. Ha 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 ha. my bike. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, and then so now we are to the ratings. We have all spoken pretty highly of this. Um, I think we all enjoyed it, and I think we'd yes. either watch it again or tell people to watch it. But let's get down to the nitty gritty of how many reels we gives it. Nick, would you like to start us off? Hmm. Sure, I can. Uh, sure, I can. I'll give it a three, three and a half. Damn, horror movie got what some reels. That? Damn, three and a half. I liked it. It took me back to my childhood I liked it. and scared me. Because I, I, I did the exact same thing. I remember walking down the horror section of the movie store and seeing that box, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, I don't know why. Because they don't even go, but I, I remember that box and the leprechaun. <laughs> God, the leprechaun. I don't know why. What a turd burglar. <laughs> How that movie got... Se- I mean, that movie has tons of fucking sequels. How did that get sequels and Candyman yeah. barely has two? Who knows, man. Who knows. Waste of a good actor. Because he's the leprechaun. I'm the leprechaun. I'm the leprechaun. Quit it, man! Um, yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half as well. Damn! Like this is—it's—it's it's one of those movies that I feel like I could easily, you know, kick into my geekdom and like do a shit ton of research and just be happy to be involved in it, you know, and go and watch the direct video sequels and just be just have a, a, a you know one of those uh to be that dick in a in a party where it's like oh have you seen this fucking trilogy you know and just like blow people's minds. <sighs> Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, man, blue. my mind is blown. So, yeah, so would you? Will you? Will you buy uh, all three of these movies, or will you obtain and watch them the way you normally do? Is well, this a collection I'm gonna, owning series? Well, I'm gonna watch two and three, and if I feel that they're like even closely to being viable, yeah, I will definitely find find a trilogy, to, the series. How, how many to pick is up. Tony? How many reels will those have to obtain? For you to buy all three of these. Oh, seriously, man! It's gotta, it's gotta meet the bare minimums when it comes to a horror movie. Direct the video, like there's gotta be a lot of gore. 
Uh, there's got to be a lot of naked chicks. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's got to have Tony Todd in it. And honestly, unless if it's some fat dude on screen picking his nose and eating his boogers <laughs> for an hour and a half, <laughs> it's probably going to be good enough for me. Yeah, I, I have to come close to you guys in the rating that I give it, just because, like I said, it's, this is a movie that holds up every time I watch it, even though it's set in the 90s and there's some evidently 90s apparel being worn of, like, tracksuits um, and shoulder pad jackets for the women. Uh, I give it three, and I think it I think three reels, and it holds up very nicely. Doesn't feel too much like a period piece. <laughs> So he does come back. I don't know what if he's in the second one, but he is in Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. He is in Candyman 2 as well. I believe it takes place in the New The storyline for 3 is the exact same thing. Huh. Convinces female descendant and artist to join him as a legendary figure, figure. To this end, he frames her for a series of hideous murders of her friends and associates. You say that like it's a bad thing, Nick. Well, I mean, I understand, like, yes, it's a horror flick. Like, they're not going to go too crazy. And there's, a form, right? there's a formula, there. yeah. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, they're they're completely ripping off the first one. Hmm. Yeah. But it was written by Clive Barker, so I guess. The, wait, the third one's written by Cl- Oh, ba- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, based okay, upon Okay, okay, right. I was very it's, surprised. It's written by Al Septian or whatever. Yeah. Someone at whatever company that got the rights to it, they gave 20 bucks and a ham sandwich to, and they said... What's your idea for Candyman? And he's like, ah, uh, and he had just watched all right, the first all right. movie hey, the Candy night before. This is a pages by noon. Yeah, and he just changed the name, mm-hmm. the character names from the people in the first movie. Just turned in the same fucking script. Sweet guy, sugar man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to change his name. We own the character. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. we own the rights to that. Please, please. Sammy Davis oh, Jr. <laughs> all right. Well, I got to rewrite these hundred and twenty pages. Yeah. All right, now we are we've we've agreed this is a recommended movie. Um, any movies that we would like to recommend that we've also seen between the last episode and now, or venomously turn people away from and say, "Do not spend your hard-earned money or time." That is a turd. Hmm. hmm. I got a turd. I, what's a turd? What's the turd? Fucking gravity. <laughs> oh God, that movie is hot garbage, man. <laughs> like I'm sitting there. Well, here here's the reason. No, here's the reason why I know you think it's hot garbage because there isn't a story in it. It's a visual movie, and that's <laughs> well, it. See, <laughs> and you're the and you have to have a story from beginning to end to like any. Oh, movie. Oh God forbid! I, which, I which, need plot yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. And that's what everybody said. No, but I mean, you just movie? need to go into gravity people, and know what people. It, went you needed to go into gravity movie. and knew what it was going to no. be. It was going to be a visual movie, and, and that's, that's it. bullshit. People said that. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, so whatever. I can't give my honest opinion. But on the outside, people went and saw it in theaters, and they're like, "Well, I'm glad I saw it in theaters because all it is is a visual. Uh, uh, it's it's visually stunning." Um, I don't think there's yeah. a good story, but it was visually stunned. And it's like, n- no. Like, no. Look at a fucking painting. Go look outside. Go stand on right. a roof of somewhere and look at a sky if you want to be visually stimulated. No. Look at a magic eye. I disagree. Like, you. I disagree. You, that's half of a movie. You know, we give accolades and, cl- and we proclaim and give great comments to movies that look great and have good stories like for a movie to go in and have no story and then i hear people well you had to see it in theaters don't watch it on dvd like no fuck that too 
Like, if it's a good movie, you should be entertaining no matter where I'm at. Right. Well, I mean, there is a story, and it's been in several other movies. It's just a character finding herself and pulling through with the strength to save her ass. And that's fine, you know, and, but it's like if I'm... And I and I mean, I disagree. The movie is very, very visual, and it's very good. I mean, they did a lot of groundbreaking shit to make that film. Uh, no, that's... And I like... I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. That's fine, but it's like if I'm 35 minutes in, and I'm like waiting for the movie to start... Like that's, it's and then, okay. It's not even that. Okay, let's let's just go away from that. The other thing that annoyed the piss out of me is Sandra Bullock looks terrible, and CGI <laughs> Sandra Bullock looks oh, even she's worse. In space. Oh, dude, she looks terrible in this movie. Like she is not pleasant on the eyes at all. Like, and I understand <laughs> that she's a fucking astronaut. You just don't like the short hair. No, do you? I love short hair. She just looks like shit, man. She looks like dog turds. Like, she has not aged well. And I get that she's an astronaut and she's been up in space for God knows how long. I get it. This is a fucking movie. Put some lipstick on that pig and at least pretty it up a little bit. <laughs> she's in space. Who does she have to look good for? E.T.? Uh, the people watching the movie and spending money so that she can get paid. You know what? I think it would have went the opposite. If it was like she would have been in space and had all this makeup on to look really nice, you would have been like, well, this isn't even. No, I I agree. I would agree with George. I agree with Nick a little bit. Well, he's a good looking man. Uh, I agree with Nick that that people would call out her wearing makeup and whatever, and she has to look dowdy and an astronaut. You just put a throwaway line in there. Nobody would. But no, but what I say, but what I say to agree with you, Hunter, is. That the movie displeased you so much that you were like, man, you know what would make me feel better about this movie? Is if Sandrick Bullock looked a little bit better. <laughs> because I gotta stare at her fucking face the whole goddamn movie and it's not entertaining. And she's so not, I think- she's not a, a physical actress either. Like, all, I didn't believe, and maybe it's just because I clocked out not even halfway through this movie, but like, when she's freaking out and she's talking to just some dude that she happens to connect with on earth and he's talking about some birthday party it's not even i don't think he's even speaking english or whatever the fuck it was and like she's just desperately trying to reach out for help like i'm sitting there and i'm thinking fucking sigourney weaver played this part better yep and she's not that good of an actress you know it's because sigourney weaver is strong she looks way worse than she's a sandra bullock but so that's the thing is i think I think Sandra Bullock is not a good actress. For some whatever reason, she has won an Academy Award for a movie, The Blind Side, which is no better than a movie that appears on Lifetime and is no farther than a stretch than TV actresses do. For some reason, she has hitched her wagon to the Academy to get critically acclaimed and make money off of all these turds that she turns. And she's somehow an action star? I mean, I know she was in Speed. In Speed too, But I don't see her as that strong of a presence. I agree with you, Hunter. I When you were talking about it, I was like, I would maybe be a little bit more compelled if it was someone like Sigourney Weaver playing the part. And I agree. I don't think she's that good of an actress. Yeah. I don't know. But... <sighs> fucking gravity. <laughs> So to to praise to jump off a piggyback off that and to praise something, um, probably with the same amount gravity. of venom as that gravity. I loved it. No, <laughs> I love gravity. Is not the movie, but the actual you know action of gravity, like Newton's theory. Um, 
to praise a movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it was. Good. Yeah, I've I've awesome. heard really good stuff. It on that, was. So. It had one thing I think helped it. Um, what me and my brother ended up talking about because he saw it on a different night was we didn't go within with any preconceived notions because we don't really know anything about the comic books. Right. So that helps a little bit. But within the first five minutes, Allie and I saw it, and we were almost crying. It's like that gripping within the first ten minutes. Crying from laughter huh. or? No, sadness. Oh. Everybody dies at like the beginning. I knew it, son of a I bitch. did not say that. <laughs> the movie is filled with tons of heart. Like, there is just so much heart in the movie. Amazing dialogue, lovable characters, the team's amazing. Every character on the team is great. It's just a really good, it's a really good feel-good movie. Good. And, and I was glad I got to see it before um, a lot of the hype came out about it. But yeah, I, I, any apprehension you had, Nick, I think you'll enjoy it. It has a very um, Star Wars feel to it, or what like the prequels should have been. Whoa, whoa. I'll just be thrown around the wars. I said Star Wars feel. I didn't say it dethroned mm-hmm. it by any means. Because it's mm-hmm. just one movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is my my like. That is my praise for the song I sing. Um, this is an old older film, but it's definitely one I would recommend. Uh, and it just came out on Netflix. Uh, the Mighty Duck. Hey, yes. it's on Netflix. Oh man! It's on. Oh, Netflix. I gotta watch it. And D two, D two's on there as eh. well. So I watched the Mighty Ducks. Amazing. Loved it. Remembered it as it was. Very funny film. Watch D2, and I remember liking D2. Not that great of a film. See, I've seen D2 so much. So much. You actually gave me the copy that I had on VHS, Nick. You're welcome. Um, and I watched that to death. I've only seen like Mighty Ducks maybe twice, so I'm very excited to watch that one again. I like the characters in in uh, D2, but I don't know. I just I don't know what it's it is. I think it's sillier. Just, it's it's um it's, it's what sillier. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like it's very it's slapsticky. Like they just try to they do too much with it. Um, and I remember liking. I haven't. I don't. D three is isn't on there, but I I remember liking that one. But a lot of people are the opposite. They like D two and they don't like D. I remember D three when I was younger when it came out, not liking it because yeah. Emilio Estevez wasn't in it except for the end. So that's why I didn't like right. it. But looking back on it, I know it is more serious than D two. Right. Yeah, because the characters are mature. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I liked it because D two was so slapstick. I was like, oh, that's horrible. And then I saw D three. I was like, all right, good. Well, they brought us back down to earth a little bit. I'm not doing all those goofy. Things. Well, and where the because f- a lot f- of times, like Mighty Ducks, it was like actual hockey. Mm-hmm. D two, there was so much stuff that, like, the one guy comes out and lassos the other guy mm-hmm. and like pulls her back on the ice. And I was like, what are you? Like, I get it's a movie and you can suspend disbelief, but like, have some ground rules it is a game knuckle puck so yeah <laughs> i mean knuckle puck that could be a true shot but right like, there was a lot of times when just like goofy s- stuff happened on the ice it's the classic case of everybody on the team the that, they like the, they would have to forfeit yeah 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 and especially when they're playing for like the it's basically the olympics for kids yeah, and it's his whole team yeah that doesn't make any yeah. sense either like it's the ducks plus five other people yeah. get to be on the u.s team <laughs> of all the kids in the U.S., nope. it's just this one hockey best. team that won that happened to win the Gordon Bombay sucks so much dick to get those kids on his team. Grief. Yeah, that's a lot of dick. Yeah. 
Um, and to bring up, um, before we get to the pick of next week, um, we lost um, a big, big legend, and I know my life growing up, um, Robin Williams passed away this past week, and rarely does a celebrity's passing hit me so hard, maybe because um, of the... We grew up with Well, him. we grew up with him, but it's the... His film The suicide, I think, was a, a big... A big part of why it hurt more because we found out that a man that was loved by millions and entertained and made so many people happy was not happy with himself. And I think that was, a, at least to me, was a major blow. Not that I could have done anything, but it's it feels like I'm selfish to have so many times have laughed to tears or have cried from Goodwill Hunting, his scene in that. Someone who has done so much for me, but then didn't feel anything reciprocated. What's your favorite movie of his? Favorite movie? Favorite role? Oh my god. I mean, like you just said, I mean, from being a kid and growing up, um, Aladdin is probably one I've seen the, one of the most. If Definitely. I had to just pick, if I had to pick a performance, I would say his part in Goodwill Hunting, which he won the Oscar for is I could watch his performance every day. But as far as just a movie, I gotta go with um, What Dreams May Come. Mine is probably gonna have to be Aladdin. Only because, as a kid, that, and probably up until now, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard <laughs> at anything from when when he first comes out of the lamp. <laughs> and is just going non-stop, just bouncing off the walls and doing all that. Like I was crying when I was a kid and I saw that. Like, we had the big box, Disney mm-hmm. big box tape, and I remember seeing that for the first time, and I was just on the... Like, I, I couldn't breathe, like, my sides were... <laughs> and the best part is, like, like, you don't get, as a kid, 90% of those jokes, but yeah. it's just because his spirit and energy is so infectious. And just the accents, and just, yeah, and he was just going around, like, so that would have to be my pick, just because from then on, like, all of his films, I just knew him from Aladdin, but... I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire is good. Uh, the Birdcage. But I don't... I, so yeah, good. Yeah, The Birdcage is very good. So good. Just to be able to see his dynamic range as an actor go from serious to... What's your uh, What's your favorite Hunter Robin Williams movie? Oh, yeah. Aladdin, for sure. Um, uh, for, mainly for the same reason you guys. It's just, you know, I've seen it so many times. Uh, but in terms of an actual performance on uh, film, I mean, I don't know. Like, Hook was great. You know, but again, that goes yes. back to yeah. my childhood. Um, what Dreams May Come is a movie I've watched a many, many times. Um, it's uh, he's got a line in there which actually is it's kind of interesting now because of him, you know, being gone due to suicide. But uh, one of the lines in What Dreams May Come, at least I believe that's what movie it came from. Uh, he says that yeah. uh, suicide is a permanent solution to temporary problems. And that's one of those, it's one of those things that's kind of like, I I will never forget that line. Like I I might not remember who said it or where it came from, but I will always remember that line because it's such a, just a beautiful way um, to address a problem, let alone just how serious just suicide is in general, but just anything, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Dead Poets Society was, which is, was a uh, mom, just a, just a huge movie. Uh, growing up for me and I mean it's I don't know like there hasn't 
I think him and this, Tom Hanks, him and Tom Hanks is probably very few actors that I think across the board with the three of us, all the movies that we mentioned would be top rated if we were to rate them on this show. Like there, there's very few actors that you can say most of their movies that we love that you could watch any day or get four reels or get five reels. And one that I neglected to mention that I know you love Prince. I don't know if you've seen Hunter. If you haven't, you should is a uh, world according to Garp. Oh uh, yes. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. It's just beautiful. That would probably be my, my, um, like besides Aladdin being the, just the, the funny one, but like an actual film from beginning to end, I would, uh, yeah, I would pick World According to Garth. It's the first movie he did after Mork and Mindy. The only other a movie yeah. he had done was Popeye, which tanked. And then World According to Garp made people go, oh, okay, he's he's yeah, hilarious like it's a, in this it's movie, pretty, and he's serious. Yeah, I would say it's more serious than, than anything. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if... You, there are funny bits, but it's not it's not the Robin Williams that people were probably seeing from uh mork and mindy. It's, it's a lot of heart oh, speaking of it's a lot of heart yeah speaking of mork mork and mindy i had the uh the i meant to record it but i had the organ player at the ballpark play the um theme song to mork and mindy Ugh. for the the game on a saturday or uh when, when did he pass he, uh, what, two days yeah ago, whatever. monday yeah it was pretty cool it was neat yep but uh yeah robin williams so he will be missed who missed i would have, I mean, I know he's got four movies coming out, one of which is the new Night at the Museum 3, which I haven't seen the other two. It's it's crazy because now there are movies of his that I haven't seen that I almost feel like, um, you know, Woody Harrelson's character in Zombieland, where he's trying to get the last Twinkies? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like Woody Harrelson's <laughs> character now, it's like, I gotta get my hands on every Robin Williams movie that I've never seen, just so I can feel that way about more of his movies than I do of his other ones. Well, you better hurry up because the prices of his movies went up like 300%. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them is World's Greatest Dad, which deals with suicide. Um, he finds his son has autoerotic asphyxiated himself. Um, and the dad, I, I think part of the story is that he writes a fake suicide note for his son so it doesn't look like it was autoerotic asphyxiation and makes it look like that he committed suicide for a reason. Um, and so the whole movie is about how he just keeps on lying to preserve his son's name so his son won't be remembered as the kid who died jerking off um, I think that's on Netflix mm. um, it's a it's a movie now that is highly on my list of when I'm just sitting there going I don't know what I want to watch I think that'll be one of them cool. it'll take me a little bit to watch um, a Robin Williams movie though one of them, uh, so I'll get to my pick. Um, I was thinking about picking What Dreams May Come tonight, but um, I, like I said, I'm just not ready to, one, watch a Robin Williams movie, two, watch, as you just mentioned, Hunter, there's a lot of strange parallels between what just happened and in, in that movie. Um, so I'm going to go with my original pick, which is a little bit lighter, and it is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare oh, from God. 1991. Oh, yeah, me? Yep. You can't do that to nope, me. Nope, I'm doing that you know to I'm you. watching Dude, it. I asked you. I asked you. Listeners, you don't know, but Nick Prince and his <laughs> wife have been watching the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And about a month ago, I'm like, which one are you on? And he's like, Dream Warriors. I was like, awesome. And I already knew I was going to pick Freddy's Dead because we have a special... Guess which one we're on now. Well, you're still probably on number four. 
We haven't even started the dream oh after yet. Well, you better pick up the pace, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I read Ashley's Facebook, your wife's Facebook message the other day. It's like, Nick and I started on a Friends Marathon, Season 1, Episode 1. I was like, bitch, yeah, you we better did. get some Elm Streets in there. Well, I'm probably just going to start watching it without her because, like, we watch it. We have a TV in our bedroom, and, like, we watch it there. Yeah. Just because every time I mention it, like, let's watch it. Hey, you want to watch this? You, you want to watch it? And she's like, no, no. So we always <laughs> pop it in. We always pop it in before we go to bed. And I'm the type that can stay up for an hour at least, you know, w- once I'm in bed or whatever watching TV. She's out in, like, 15 Yeah, minutes. I'm the same way. So I can't, watching it I can't like fall asleep while something's on. I have to turn it off and go to bed. Right. Especially, I mean, I can fall asleep as just normal TV. But if it's like this where I'm trying to watch the mm-hmm. film... I, I'll stay awake, but I'll have to keep like like on Dream Warriors. There was um, it was when uh, they go to find the uh, Freddy's bones in the graveyard, mm-hmm. and they're pulling up to the gate, and she's like, "All right, I'm tired." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "We're gonna see some actual stuff here that's gonna happen. That's gonna really explain the story." Yeah, you're like, you don't want to like, see right. what comes next. You are such a cock tease of Freddy. <laughs> Right, like all this build up to the. Yeah. So you made a noise because you wanted to watch them in order and then get to Freddy's dead. That was your noise. I believe Hunter, your noise was, "Oh fuck me, another horror sequel that you're throwing me into." No, I'm I'm fine with horror sequels, just not fucking nightmare, dude. What? Of all the horror sequels yeah. that I gave, well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what I think of this movie before we watch it. Um. But if I were th- if I could have thrown you into Dream Warriors or something, the fantastic Dream movies. I just never, I've never been a fan of Freddy. Oh, you need to watch the whole series, sir. No, it's, it's never going to happen. Man. It's never going to uh, happen. Hold you down, strap you in. So you enjoy the. Are you a fan of Jason or Michael? Thursday night or you like the Halloweens, right? Is that what you're? Yeah, I'm. I'm your jam is. I mean, I, I enjoy the psychological horror movies. I think they're fun every once in a while. But give me a big dumb guy with something sharp in his hand any day of the yeah. week. You like the formula. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. You like the bigger and better kills kind of thing, like each movie up in the ante. Which, I mean, the Elm Streets do, but there definitely is more of a, a through line in an idea. Right. I like I like a, I like a big serious. fucking dude who just, you know, is faster <laughs> than, a, than a 16-year-old girl for no reason. Who can crash through walls <laughs> while he's walking for no reason? Like that's I like that shit. Like it's superhuman. You know what I mean? Well, next week joining us, the one of the reasons why I picked Freddy's Dead is uh, another fan of ours and friend of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Mike Flincham, will be joining us to review the film. Um, and I hope uh, bef- what, what he loves horror movies. Loves horror movies. Don't know how he particularly feels about this one when there was only seven of. <laughs> I hate when it when there was only seven of them out. Uh, when it only went up to Wes Craven's New Nightmare, we spent, um, we did it a marathon of all seven in, I think, freshman year of high school. And man, we just felt like shit by the end of it. So many, like, cheesy poofs and just junk food and garbage. Um, so I'll be, wow. I'll be interested to see what he feels like this one does in the realm of horror movies. I already know my opinion. I'll look at it a little bit closely, a little bit closer now. Um, But besides that, we will see you guys in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Someone's going out to smoke. All right. 
What? I'm Ricky Glore. Oh, I'm Nick Prince. And I'm Eric Hunter. Go watch some movies. All right, let's keep it down. No, I thought that's what I thought Jeez. that was the the catchphrase to the end of the episodes. That was you already did it. I thought that was a thing.